Welcome to Out of Game Episode 19. In today's episode, we give a mini-review of Lords of Waterdeep, take another bizarre ride on the board game food truck, and give you a chance to delve into the twisted mind of our co-host, Mr. Christopher Halt. This is your host, Ryan. Join me, Chris, and Tim as we go Out of Game. Welcome to episode 19 of Out of Game. This is Ryan. This is Chris. And this is Tim. And in case you don't know, we are a podcast about board games. Board games. So last time we talked about Tim, all things Tim. Yeah. And we're going to be continuing that series and talking about all things Chris. (laughs) So where we got smarter after the last podcast. Yeah, let's see if any of that rubbed off. (laughs) Well, maybe we'll get less smarter. No, I think we're going to get weirder. Weirder. That's going to happen. But before we get to that... Let's jump into the spawn point. Spawn point. Spawn point. I'm going to start off for some reason. Okay. It's because I have my name at the top of the bullet list. I mentioned a couple episodes ago, I was reading the book Empire of Imagination, the biography of Gary Gygax. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. like four podcasts ago. Was it really? Well, I finished the book. And I gave it a pretty positive review last time. And after finishing it, still great. If you want to read a definitive biography of Gary Gygax, this is the book to read. And wanted to talk a bit about New Year's resolutions. Oh, it's that time of year. So we're in uh, January now. 2015 has passed. Before we talk about the new stuff. Yeah, we oh, got to hear the we results. We got to go back to the uh, yeah. results of or the lack of. Do we have to? I think it's the <laughs> lack of. So let's start with our non-gaming resolutions. So my non-gaming resolution of 2015 was to learn to play guitar. And <laughs> how did that go? I did not learn jack about playing guitar. Well, that's not true. You do know the strings. That's true, but I learned that when I was 12. Okay, well then, yeah, you you learned Jack New. (laughs) So I didn't learn anything except that I remembered that playing guitar hurts my fingers, and I don't like it when my fingers hurt. You try the old Band-Aid thing and put some Band-Aids on your fingertips. You got to get them calloused up. That's what you got to do. I know, and I wasn't willing to go through that. Wow. I don't like that. Got to grow your fingernails long. Got to put some, what? That's what some people do. But you have to, like, push the strings. They're getting in the way. You can't. You push the strings onto the. It's a thing. They use them as guitar picks, their fingernails. That right. doesn't help you for the other hand. Yeah, it's that's the hand. good for this one. It's the hand that's holding the fret. My yes. fingers were like feeling bruised after like 20 minutes of playing guitar. Hmm. So, yeah, it didn't go well. I'm kind of a sissy, I guess. Wow. That affects your, your ability to place workers properly on the board. Yeah. I mean, imagine, you know, your <laughs> Loss hands of are sensitivity that's to right. finger worker attachment. That's right. Plus. Imagine playing Colt Express with bad fingers. That'd be hard. You can't move your guy. So how about you, Chris? How did your uh, non-gaming so, resolution go? Yeah, one year ago, we had the, the podcast where we talked about our resolutions, and my non-gaming resolution was to figure out how mentalism works. All right, let's because hear it. mentalism is driving me crazy. You know, for whatever reason, I watch that stuff on TV. The magicians do the things where they guess what you're thinking, and you can always kind of figure out... You know, even though you don't know how to be a magician and how to make things disappear, you know when they're sawing the the lady in half, there's really, you know, like, she's, like, bent down or whatever. She is? Yeah. I mean, you, you always know there's some trick to it. With mentalism, it was one of those things that, you, I don't know, I it just, I had to know. I okay. had to know how they do it. So, and, hold on. Before you continue. Yes. Do we need to have a spoiler alert here? Um, I thought about 
that. Okay. There, there is one thing that I learned, and I will not say it on the air. Oh. There is one thing. But, We're going to leave our listeners but, hanging? But, well... What if I we did know, a I, special... I'll do a special clip that we'll post separately, and we'll put spoiler tags on it, and then we can post that. Possibly. So you can, you can reveal what you learned. It might be anticlimactic if we do that, because it's not... It's not good enough. I, I failed at my mission <laughs> okay. to, to keep my resolution. I, I, it wasn't for lack of trying, though. I looked. I tried to, to any of our listeners out there, try to figure out how they do that stuff. It's hard to find out. It's very well guarded. Uh, there's not a lot of books on it. There's nothing really written. I've learned a couple tricks, you know, where it makes it seem like you're figuring out what they're thinking, but nothing juicy. So I'm saying epic fail. Did you get? Thr- I'm just curious if you got threatened by like a magician mafia, and that's why you're you're scared to. Well, no, but it's learned. possible. It's possible that one of our listeners, the prophet, saw that I was going to do it and prevented me from visiting those sites. Oh. Maybe, maybe he kept everything. He's the only one that would know what I was doing. So. That's true. Mm-hmm. So right. mentalism failure. Okay. Well, I'm. Uh, I have to say, I'm a little disappointed, Chris. I don't think you cared if I learned guitar, but I really wanted to know what you learned about mentalism. Well, yeah, I, I'm very disappointed. I still want to figure it out. Okay, how about this, listeners? If you want to know what Chris learned, even if you think it will be anticlimactic, send an email to outagamepodcast at gmail.com and let me know. If I get enough emails, I will force Chris to reveal okay, what he's learned. That's the deal, but be warned. It will ruin some of the tricks for you. Be warned. Okay. What about gaming-related? Gaming-related. Let me start. Yeah. Oh, we know. Epic fail. Yeah. Mine was to get my magic number below 20. And just to remind the listeners what the magic number is, it's the number of games Ryan owns but has not played. Yes. It's a constantly changing number because he's playing a lot of games but also buying a lot. And actually, this is a good time for me to explain something about the magic number. So I had we've had two listeners post magic number lists. So I posted a geek list of all my magic number games, and I've been keeping that updated. And by the way, if you want to read like small reviews on all the games I play as I play them, you can go to that list and read them. There's a link to it on our guild. Uh, so we had a couple other listeners. Uh, Adam posted and The Prophet posted his too. And I noticed that there were, some, they, there were some games on their list that shouldn't have been there. And that's because I didn't define, I didn't lay out the rules, the magic number. Hmm. So here are the rules for anyone who wants to create a magic number list. There are three things that should not be on your list. The first is game expansions. The magic number list does not include expansions. It's only base games. So that's the first rule. The second rule is if you own a game and you've played that game elsewhere, but you haven't played your own copy, that game should not be on the list. You've played the game. Just because you haven't played your copy of the game doesn't mean you haven't played the game. So those games should not be on the list. And the third is what I like to call deferred games. Deferred games are games that you have in your collection for some other reason than playing them right now. So, for example, here's some examples of games that I've deferred. I defer games that I'm going to sell. Okay, those are, are games that I'm going to trade away. I defer. I have some games saved up that are like kids' games that I'm waiting to play with my kids. I can't play right now, so those are deferred. Uh, when it's time for those games to come into the queue, they'll go on the list. But for now... They shouldn't be on the list because there's no chance of me playing them. And then there's just like there's some games that you might be keeping for some nostalgia reason, but you know you'll never play them. So basically any reason that you would just not play that game, if if you're not going to play it, don't put it on your list because it's just cluttering up your list. So those are the magic number rules. I failed in my mission. The lowest I ever got throughout the entire year was 29, 
the highest, I think when we started, I was at like 48 and I ended at 34. So right around the middle. Yeah. And it, and it stayed right around 34 the whole time, give or take a few. Yeah. I would call that a failure. Yeah. It was total failure. So much so that I'm not going to include this in my What if you increase the number to 2016? Huh? You could increase the number. Nah. And then include it. No. So you you don't even want to reduce it. No, I, I learned a lot from the experience actually. It made it actually did motivate me to be more choosy about games because it did it does actually bother me when it goes up. Because I, I was trying very hard to get it down. So I was it made me more picky about games. It made me it made me take my gaming budget more seriously and actually use it as a budget and a tool to deter me from buying games. Would you mind if I made a suggestion for a New Year's resolution for <laughs> sure. 2016? Okay. Maybe to keep the gaming budget, because this could be fun to track too as the year goes on. Maybe keep your the budget and amount of money you spend on games to under 10 grand for this year. I don't spend even close to that in a year. Mm, I don't know. Are you sure about that? <laughs> My, no, not even, not even remotely close well, to that. Well, maybe set, pick a figure that you'd like, you think is a good target, and then make that your resolution. I have a better resolution. Okay. And uh, while you're talking, I'm going to think of what that is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what am I talking about? Uh, you're going to be talking about your resolution. Oh, my resolution. Yeah. Yeah. My gaming resolution was to, to be less annoying. We had issues in some of our games, and it wasn't only me, but there were times when you know we would get annoyed for various reasons. or you know We've all had times where we complain during a game, and then yeah. maybe later we have a regret about that. I wanted to do a better job with my patients. I do have ADHD for anybody who is new to the show, and I take meds for it, and I uh, sometimes I'll take them in the middle of playing a game. And it's tough to be patient and to wait and to watch things happen in slow motion sometimes, so it's just tough. So what I did was I the New Year's resolution was to, you know, to try to just chill and have more fun and be less high-strung with some of the those issues. And I don't know if I can say how I did. I'm going to leave it up to Tim and Ryan to say how I did. This is our one and only success from the, the resolution. From episode. the resolution group. I yeah. would say that you almost blew it in the last game night of the year. Whoa. Whoa. You're talking this like last Yeah. Session? Really? And I'll tell you the, the specific moment. I'm trying to recall. We were playing Code Names. I thought it was going to be Waterdeep. You were the clue giver. No, you and I were both annoyed in that Waterdeep game. Okay. We'll get more on that later. We were playing Code Names. You were the clue giver. And Aras and I were trying to figure out a previous clue that you gave. That you gave. And you kept repeating the current clue. So the clue was something like, it was, a, it was only yes. one word. So for example, it, it was like automobile one or something like that. Okay. And but it was like the third clue that we'd had so far, and we had an earlier clue that we hadn't figured out. It was like buttons or something. So we got the one card, and then we were discussing, like trying to get that. the other clue. And Chris keeps going like this: the clue is automobile one. <laughs> and then we would keep talking, and That's then you guys were going down the wrong. And, path. and then Chris would be like, "No, <laughs> reminder: the clue is automobile one." And finally, I'm like, "All right, we'll stop guessing." <laughs> right. We stopped. Right. So it, that was not okay. <laughs> I, I I understand. I I understand why you're saying that. So that was actually me trying to help us win the game. I know, but okay. you were you were getting you were getting annoyed with us because we kept discussing it and it was escalating. And if we hadn't stopped, it could have gotten worse. Okay. Yeah, I, Fair but my point is, 
almost is the key word. It didn't, it didn't get out of control. It was fine after that. I think, Chris, I think overall, it was a big success, your resolution. You're the only person I've ever known to complete a New Year's resolution. So I, I, I want to give you a round of applause. Good job, Chris. Well, I did it for you. <laughs> Both of you guys. All right. Gaming resolutions for 2016. So I'll go first with this one. My game resolution. And Ryan, you're going to love this. Oh, resolution. wow. My New Year's resolution for 2016 is to play more New games. Whoa. Whoa. Now, when you say new, do you mean new to you? or New to me. Like games that I have not played versus going to the Old Faithful all the time. Man, I should have done the magic number challenge. Yeah, you might have actually made it this year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that uh, that makes me pretty excited, Chris, I have to admit. Because Tim's already on board, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Really? I do enjoy new games, so it's just... I the do like going problem. back to the old ones. I don't mind playing like one new game and then going back to an old faithful one just yeah. as long as we have. So, you know, what's interesting is your 2016 resolution might make you bail up my 2015. Yeah. Oh, because we're going to have all these like rules explanations. Well, that's and part stuff. of my plan. Now I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> okay. The, the evil plan has no, been I'm, set. I'm kidding. So, yeah, more new games. Bring them on. All right. I've heard one of the reasons I'm saying this, I've heard you talk about it. A lot of them, and they sound really good, but you know we never make time for them. So I'd like to do that. Well, I'll, I'll give you one of the reasons. One the of the reasons it's the rules problem. This probably should be like a, a goal of mine, but it's actually it, it's a lot of work to work. get the rules ready and teach them. And sometimes I like I'll bring a game on a Wednesday, and I'll kind of know the rules because I've read through them, but I've not played the game before, so I know it's going to be a painful rules explanation. And because of that, I don't even suggest the game. Like I've been bringing Dark Moon for You've like the past four about game nights. Why don't you play those games? Like break them in with your with your other group. Well, the reason I wasn't this year is because I was trying so hard to get my number down that once I played it once, I wouldn't I wouldn't repeat play it usually. So like if I played in the other group, it's it's going on the shelf for a while. Really? So I could play another new game. So I get the uh, number down. Well, this year it might be different. So that might be maybe a good that thing. our resolutions coexist in a good way. Then yeah, yeah. Well, I should. I guess I should explain my resolution because it actually is a crossover with yours. Okay. So my gaming resolution is to get specifically you two to play more new games. So let's define what a New Year's resolution means. Isn't that something like you're trying to do for yourself, like like some sort of self improvement? Yeah, I have to get better at getting you guys to play new games. <laughs> I think that's more well, about us. That, no, that falls on him, though, too, because now he's got to be yeah. better at explaining right. so games. Your New Year's resolution order. is to learn the game. Yeah, I don't want it to be a bad experience for you guys. Gotcha. So I would have to be more prepared to teach the games if I'm going to do that. My actually uh, gaming one is to actually play a campaign in Imperial Assault. I've had the box set sitting on my shelf... I've ordered a bunch of the expansion packs. Put it in your top I now games. bought the new <laughs> base set, and I still have not played. So I've probably invested $150 in this game that I've never played. You're playing uh, too so, much X-Wing. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, playing too much X-Wing. And actually, that's the same group that I was planning on playing this with. So yeah. I just have to kill an X-Wing knight and do an Imperial Assault knight. So what's your magic number, Tim? Well, since how I only own probably... Is it one? Ten games, I probably have like, yeah, one or two. No, you own more than ten. You have like a <laughs> hidden stash of games in your closet. Yeah, but those are all the old games that I played before. Hey, you know what? I was cleaning out my uh, my wife's closet. There was a, a, a box of Catan on the top shelf. I have no idea where it came from. 
Because I don't think it's mine. And I'm wondering, where did my wife get this from? So I don't know if she got in like some kind of grab bag or something. But What uh, version? Like what edition? It was red. Like a red box? It was a red box. And so it's it the fourth version. So I'd have to take it down off the shelf. This is a like, Catan family game? I have Catan. no clue. I, I just saw it up There's on the top shelf and I was like, what the Are heck? you sure it wasn't a Christmas present? <laughs> no, because if, if it was given to me, I'd remember. No, like so, for this her, Christmas. You mean no, no way, yeah, no way. For, for the no. Christmas that just happened. She would have no clue. But the only thing she would know to buy for me would be X-Wing stuff. So I mean a uh, Chinese New Year present. That's in February. Right, yeah, because, yeah, that would have been a month <laughs> ago. But, yeah, no, no, it's definitely not that. Well, it could have been a Christmas present she forgot about. Yeah. So your New Year's resolution is to play a campaign. So it's not just play Imperial Pursuit once. It's Pursuit. to play Imperial Pursuit. Imperial, what am I it's saying? Star Wars trivia Yeah, game. Imperial Assault. Uh, play the play a whole campaign. Yeah. Not not just one game of it, but play the whole campaign. We I mean, a lot of campaign stuff going on this year, I think. Yeah. Because we have Pandemic Legacy, which is a campaign. See, now, if I wanted to do an impossible one, I would be this get a Blood Bowly going at our game night, which I know would never happen. So, Did you see the email I sent you about yes, Blood Bowl? Yes, I did. Yeah, that's kind of exciting. Yeah, there's a chance it might get reprinted. Your Grail game. I know, I know. I'll still probably use my made-up board, though, because it's pretty cool. All right, so those are our resolutions for 2016. And let's move on to a mini-review mini of review. Lords of Waterdeep. <laughs> okay, this is an older game, but we re- uh, new to us. We recently played that. it, and I know uh, you know a lot of listeners probably played this game, but we played it with the expansion Gondros of Skullport. So let me just give a quick overview of the game for those of you who haven't played. So in Lords of Waterdeep, it's a worker placement game, which apparently all three of us love. Yeah. In our top three gaming mechanisms. And the theme of this game is you're trying to complete quests with adventurers, and those quests give you points. You're a Lord of Waterdeep, so I think this is a Forgotten Realms city. I don't know anything about Forgotten Realms, but I get the impression that the Lords of Waterdeep are kind of hidden. So the people controlling are influencing Waterdeep, but you're not really sure exactly who these people are. That's the impression I get from the theme, because each lord has like a secret goal they're trying to complete. Also one of Tim's. Yeah. So you have a secret mission, and your mission might be to complete... You Most of them are to complete specific types of quests, because there's four different types of quests. And the way this game works is you're collecting quests to put down in front of you, and then you're trying to complete those quests. You complete them by getting resources in the form of adventurers. So the resources in this game are rogues, fighters, clerics, and wizards, and then gold. So you're trying to collect those things with a worker placement mechanism. So you might place on one space and get two orange guys, which are two warriors. But your quest might require you know, two warriors, a rogue, and a wizard. So once you collect those things, you can complete the quest, you get the points for it, Put it face down. But if it happened to be one of the types of quests that you have on your secret mission, at the end of the game, it will give you some bonus points. Then, yeah, there's also certain quests called plot quests, which after you complete them, they go to another area in front of you and they give you some ongoing special ability, which is pretty cool. And as the game is going, kind of like Kalis, more buildings come out so people can buy buildings and put them out. And those are better versions of the original spaces that you can play on. And when you play on, like if Chris had a building that he put out, It might have like four orange guys. When I place there, I get the four orange guys, but Chris gets some kind of bonus, which will be on the bottom of the tile. 
So as the game is going on, more and more buildings are coming out, allowing you to do cooler stuff. Now, in, in the Scoundrels of Schoolport expansion, there's another board that's out. And that board has these four really awesome spaces that give you tons of resources, but they also give you corruption, which are these blue like skull tokens. There's a corruption track, and it goes from negative one to negative nine, and each of them have a certain amount of corruption tokens. It's where the pool of tokens comes from. Right. And as you remove them, the value of the tokens goes up, the more that are in play. So at first, all, every corruption token you have is only worth negative one. But then once all the negative one tokens are gone, and once you've removed all the tokens from negative two, now every token everyone has is worth negative two. So as tokens are removed, the more corruption that goes in the city, the more negative points that you have in front of you. Is that pretty much everything? That's, that's well, you've got your, your intrigue cards. Oh, right. Those. Yeah, there's cards that you can play that are like one-off abilities that, that will give you some special thing that you can do. And there's a space that you can there's go on. There's a space you go into to get the cards and then a different space to play them. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a space at the top where there's four available quests and there's three different spaces you can play on to, to take one of those. So you take it to put in front of you and then those the ones in front of you are the ones you're trying to complete. There's nothing negative about having quests in front of you at the end. It's really just about getting as many points as you can Fulfilling your secret mission, not having a lot of corruption. Whoever has the most points at the end wins the game. Yep. Okay, let's talk about the positives of, the, of this game. So for me, the positives of this game, the worker placement mechanic is pretty balanced. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's plenty to choose from, especially early on. It's not like there's some spots that are more broken than others. The theme is very good. I, I like the art, the way the cards interact with your lord, your secret mission, with your quests. The theme, you feel it. They do a good job with that. And lastly, there's more than one way to win. You can go the route of, you know, uh, all-out property. You could, like, go for quests. There's more than one way to get victory points, and you can focus your energy in different ways there. So I like games like that. There's more more than one way to win. So those are my positives. I really like the theme of this game. Yeah, same thing. Uh, really strong theme. I, I do love the theme. Worker replacement, of course, one of the top game mechanics that I like, and the secret goal. You know, the secret goal in this one doesn't really play in as much, although I think if you did focus on it, you could get a pretty big bonus at the end. But I do like the the different aspects of the, the worker placement. There's multiple ways to get cards. There's multiple ways to get quests. So it's not like one person gets a quest that turn and nobody else can. There's, there's right. other ways to get it. It's just what benefits you reap as you get those quests. And then, of course, the expanding properties, which give those other abilities. I, you know, great game. I, I've loved this both times we've played it. So we'll play this one again in a second. So for me, the positives, I think this is a pretty easy-to-grasp worker placement game. Like, if you're wanting to introduce someone to the worker placement mechanic, I think this is a really good game to do that. I also like the theme. I love the D&D theme in this game. And I think this could also be a game you could use to bring role players into board gaming. And I think that is used mm. for that a lot. They're already gamers. They like D&D. Here's this D&D themed game. Maybe it's kind of a bait and switch. I don't know. But, you know, you're introducing them to a board game with a theme that they would like. And a lot of modern mechanisms in there. So I think that's good. You know, I, I kind of look at this game as like an easier version of Kalos uh, with the the buildings, collecting resources to fulfill something, you know, kind of like in Kalos, you're collecting resources to build the castle or whatever. But the, the whole building thing where more buildings are coming out as you go and you get a bonus when someone plays on your building. I feel like you could play Lords of Waterdeep and then after that, it'd be a lot easier for someone to understand Kalos yeah. if you're yeah, going to do some Kalos. Yeah. 
Um, so those are my positives. What about negatives? So I have a few. Okay. So, so they're minor. I, I actually really like this game. These are minor points, but I think more interesting secret goals, which Tim kind of touched on, they could be a little better. I mean, I, I, I would like maybe you have three lords you start with, you're dealt, and then you pick one of those three. Isn't Doesn't Dead of Winter do something like that where you, you have more than what that's you end the up characters, with? The characters. Yeah. The character, but it's a similar idea where you don't have a... That's the other thing. The lords which are supposed to be unique, could be... A, I would like it if they differentiated themselves I more from I completely each agree. Yeah, I had this I on my list, too. Okay. And I would like more control over it. Even if it's not choosing, like, one of three, if there is some way where you can customize it to your what your strategy is going to be. I don't know. I don't have an idea off the top of my head, but there, there's something they could do there, I think. Yeah. Another negative is it's slow with six players. We played with six... <laughs> And it's a little slow. I mean, it took a while for the turns to come around. And a lot of times the slow games, and this is, you know, this is Chris talking and I'm notorious for picking on slow games, but I think I'm not the only one that felt this way. Nope. I In this game, I was with Chris on this. Yeah. So a lot of times the slowness snowballs because when somebody's going, taking a particularly long time, I'll start a conversation with somebody to my left or right because we're, there's nothing else to do. We're, we're waiting. And then so because the conversation is happening, people start checking out a little bit and it slows the game down even more because, oh, what happened? So you got to loop me in on what just happened and it's it's keeping it more slow. I'm not paying attention to where I want to place. So all of a sudden it's my turn. I don't know what, to, what I'm doing. So six is a little much. I would recommend four, right? Oh, this is, this, is a, this is an easy win for the game. They need to do this. I think this is probably the worst part of the game. The way Kalis does your worker placement for the turn order is the way Waterdeep needs to do it. It's dumb that you place a worker to go first and you can't place one to go second and so on. Yeah. Um, yeah. What happens is this is where you randomly get screwed in a six-player game. You know, I'm going like second or third, and I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm somewhere in the middle. The guy to my left twice, Ryan, <laughs> <laughs> bids on, on getting turn one. Now, in a six-player game with the limited bots there there was a major screwage that was going on by the time it got around to me i i was unable to play my entry cards because all the spots were gone the only way to do it was to take the pause area right and you know i didn't want to do that i I, you know i'm fine with placing a worker to go second i'd be fine with going second there's no reason you have to go clockwise (laughs) they they can they can do that it would be a great option to place i think that would be a, a good win and easy to do. More ways to play entry cards. I don't know if this was a flaw in the way we set up the board, but I was unable to... I had like a fistful of cool entry cards. I was dying to get out there, and I was just choking on them. And all the good spots, there there are not that many good spots to play them. There's some lame spots where you can play them, which I ended up taking. But there's got to be more ways to get those cards out of your hand. Well, and- I, I want to say that that problem has to do with the instance of the game we were playing. Because normally... You're totally cool with taking that play an instance card because then you're going to get to place that worker again. It's just that in our game, that was a total bad move. Yeah, but there, were, you were, there I mean, were other spots. You were forced to take a bad move. If you if you play that entry card and then you got to go drop it on, uh, you know, get uh, a warrior, you you'd have been perfectly happy. The fact right, is that when true. you did that, you were forced to take the negative. Yeah, we instance. need to talk about this because we broke the game, and I think before we can even continue with explaining what happened in this game we have to say we broke the game because it made this it i think us breaking the game is what made first of all i think it was part of the reason the turns were taking long because i know for a fact on my turn i was counting 
how many spots are left? What place do I have to be in the turn order for me not to get forced to take that corruption right. spot? Yeah. And it was painful. Right, to, to but do all even that. before that was depleted, I was have, I was struggling playing my intrigue cards. I don't always want to go in the the lame spot. There there are other places to play them. Okay, yeah, but there are. They, they're like they dry up. But maybe you're right; that would have fixed it. My other point was the expansion was broken, which you you just mentioned, and then where I was losing all the points. And then this is a minor one, and I, this probably doesn't bother anybody else. But I don't like games where. This is kind of the exploding kittens problem. And I don't know if that's a good example. Some of the entry cards randomly screw specific people more than others. And it's, there's no reason, there's no like rhyme or reason to it. You know, like Ross had one where he was playing and I was going to lose. I, I spent all my time getting those. Was it the wizards? The wizards are purple. Purple. The purple ones. And, you know, there were cards that were like taking away, and not everybody had purples because those were rare. Yeah. They take away one purple from everybody. And then for anybody who didn't have a purple, the person who played the card gets like two points or something. So it doesn't do anything to anybody, but like I'm using a whole placement to get one purple and then now it's gone because of some random card that somebody played. Yeah. You know, I would like the entry. Some of the entry cards are very good, very balanced, but there's just, it's kind of a random, it's like you're, you're, you're spinning a spin wheel and if it points to you, you're going to, you're going to lose something. So yeah. other than that, that, that's all I had for my list than of negatives. Wow. I mean, well, I mean, I, I was actually struggling to f- think of some negatives. The one I came up with, of course, was this, the slow turns. We had such a large group that it does go a lot slower. You end up sitting with a lot of lag time. And maybe it is the instance of that we were playing with the, the corruption and stuff that made it longer. But still, I, I would play that game with five players. Mm-hmm. Maybe six is too many. But I, I have no problem with five. So I, I want to explain how we broke the game because the listeners yeah. don't know what we're talking about. So this is what happened. This has never happened to me in this game, by the way. There's a spot on the board. I didn't explain this in the overview, but basically you put your guy there, let you play an intrigue card, and then there's there's actually three spots there. So you put your guy there, and then after everyone is finished placing, you get to take that guy and move him to another space. So you kind of get two actions out of it, but which is you're usually getting, a great thing. Yeah, but you're kind of you're usually you're usually getting a decent action the second time it's the actions nobody else wanted. right it's like the leftover yeah. actions yeah well what happened in this game was we had six players we we're only using one of the expansions the the expansion only adds four new spots but all those four new spots make you take corruption and what happened was we didn't have enough spots available on the board for you to go to when you did that delayed action so everyone that was sitting on the delayed action would be forced to go to one of the corruption spots and what we had actually depleted the entire corruption board. So all the corruption tokens were gone. So that means anytime you have to take one of those spots, you just get negative 10 points. Negative nine. Yeah. It was ridiculous. It was, it was negative 10. 10. You, oh, it was negative 10 because you couldn't take a token. Yeah. Right. So you instantly so that just came off. It and that's worse off. than having a token because the tokens, oh, you could get rid of. It's way if, you, worse. Yeah, if you could put the tokens back on, they would make them not worth, not as bad, but you're just getting an instant negative 10 points. So, Basically, by placing on the delay spot to play your entry card, you're giving yourself negative 10 points. And that's never happened. I really think we broke the game. Now, Nathan told me afterwards that he put the wrong buildings in. And I'm wondering if that's why this happened. I have imagined that those buildings allow you to remove corruption points more easily. Because that did not even... Well, there's another reason this perfect storm happened. And that is that one of the other players in our game, his lord, his ability 
was that he got points for his corruption. Right. And, and he, was he misinterpreted. He was confused. He thought that it meant he didn't have the negative, but he only had the positive, when in reality he had both, which is still not a bad thing. But it made him suck up all of the corruption tokens. True. Right. And because they were gone, yeah. the corruption area became an area you didn't want to be. Yeah. And so that made the first player token extremely important. Because I didn't want to get hosed by, like, if, if the person to my left took it, then I was getting negative 10 points. Right. Because I knew I would not have enough spaces. I would I was be forced to play on one of the negative 10 spaces. There was no question. And that's why I kept taking it. Because, I, I mean, I had, I, I had mathed out where I needed to be in the turn order, but I didn't want to risk not taking first just in case. So we broke the game. The fact that it can be broken is is a negative. My recommendation if you ever play this game with six players is to use both expansions. There's two expansions in the box. They both add extra spaces. Just use them both and then you probably will never have that problem. Well, I, I'm really curious about the buildings though if that totally changes the dynamic because we didn't figure this out till the game is over. Past halfway through the game it's because people were willingly taking the corruption spots because they are they are twice as good as the regular spots. So yeah. the negative that you're getting is because you're getting such a huge positive. So everyone was willingly doing it in the beginning. And at the end, when people wanted to stop doing it, we found out, oh, God. But here was, here's it reached a point where you didn't want to do it didn't anymore. didn't want to do it, yeah. But you, didn't, you, you, you had still no had to. Yeah. So but like really I was bad. getting hosed for bad decisions other people made. I didn't yeah. take corru- I only took three corruption tokens the whole game, and then I played a card that got rid of them. Yeah. So I wasn't taking corruption, but because of this turn order weirdness that happened, I was forced to take a negative ten points. And before that happened, I was in contention for winning the game. Yeah. Like me and Tim were tied. We were like on the same space, and then I got negative ten, and then Tim completed a quest, and now suddenly Tim's beating me by thirty points. Yeah. So uh, that yeah. was really frustrating for me. Like I was getting hosed by. By Chris Johnson's bad decisions, basically. <laughs> That's kind of like a random thing, hosing. Well, yeah. it's a misunderstanding from him, too, because if he knew that he was only getting plus four, and yeah. the net result was still getting a negative five per token, yeah. he wouldn't have done it either. Yeah. But still, people would have been forced to take the token. So I think the end result is still whoever had to take a token would be getting a minus nine or minus ten. And my strategy was to, I was taking them early because I had intrigue cards that got rid of them yeah. that I couldn't play yeah. because all the intrigue spots were gone. And the conundrum for you was you were you were putting it on the space to play the intrigue cards yeah. so you could get rid of them, but yeah. then you're being forced to take them. <laughs> right. No, no, even worse, he was putting it on there and then Chris Johnson was sucking it up. Right. So that by the time he got to play again, he was forced to go on yep. there he and he didn't have the token to suck up that he put yeah. there to suck yeah. up. It was it was horrible. So he thing. actually had to take a minus ten instead of getting his token back. Yeah, but I mean ultimately I would just say don't play this with six players. Uh two more negatives I had, unfortunately. One is my version of the expansion is printed very poorly. And this is probably just an OCD thing for me, but the cards weren't the same size. So the cards in the expansion were like a millimeter wider than the cards in the original really? game. Oh, really? So when you're shuffling them, they're not even, it's not even flat, so you can't even like really riffle shuffle. So you have and, to sleeve them. Yeah, and then you can tell that... I mean, you can tell which ones are the expansion cards because they're, well, they're wider. Huh. You have uh, to sleeve them. So that was annoying. Not to, And they were printed upside down. So like if you had all the cards you know, with the card backs in the correct position... 
the expansion cards, when you flipped it, would be one way, and the original cards would be the different wow. way. It drove really me. Matter. It drove me. Cr- it oh, actually is annoying. That, that sounds like them would kill them. Because yeah, so. when you're flipping the quests off the pile, it's like you have the pile nice and neat and the right thing, and then you flip them, and then they're upside down. That's funny. Because the you. because the stupid expansion was printed wrong, and the diversity of roles thing bothers me. So I like the idea of a secret role, but it's not so secret when. After two turns, I can tell what your secret goal is. Yeah. Hey, he keeps going getting the uh, piety quest. Yeah. Hmm. And actually, Chris Johnson had the most interesting secret goal because his goal was that he got four points for, for every, every corruption, corruption token. token. Right. He just didn't realize that it was he also added got the on. He also got the negative for yeah. it. So, but that was at least interesting because we we didn't know what he was doing. We're yeah. like, I wonder if his lord has something to do with corruption. And I I wish all the roles were diverse like that. They weren't yeah. just about getting two quest types. Yep. Yeah. So that would be a, an expansion, another expansion. Actually, this expansion added that role that Chris had and some other ones to diversify them a little bit because the original game, they were all about just the, the types the of quests. quests. Yeah. Um, overall, I think this is a great introductory worker placement game, a good gateway game, especially for role players. And if you're going to play with six players, use both expansions. Yeah, overall, I like the game. I would play it again. I would prefer to play with four players. but I would too. But it's a good game. And this does play well with two, in case anyone's wondering. Mm-hmm. I played this with... It's actually Esther's favorite game, surprisingly. Oh. Wow. So plays pretty well with two players. I'm surprised with all the negatives. You both are still really... It was, the one, it was this one oh, game. Honestly, yeah, it's true. That nah. one game is a very bad representation of the game, nah. for sure. We had yeah. a bad experience. And a lot of mine are just ideas to improve I think you've game. got a couple really great improvement ideas for the game. Uh, yeah. the, the whole... First place, being able to select like a KLS, you can select first, second, third. That's easy That's to do. That's an easy, too. easy change. That's great. And then, yeah, the, the missions really do need You know to what they could do is diverse. they could combine the delay space with the player order space because yeah. there's already three spots there. Instead of having it as separate space, just put it in there. All right, Lords of Waterdeep, an oldie but a goodie. You know what it's time for? Something we didn't do last episode. So fake it till we make it. Fake it till we make it. To be a great champion, you must believe you are the best. If you're not, pretend you are. All right, so I uh, didn't send in responses to some recent Dice Tower episodes uh, due to being out of town and whatnot. So we're going to be doing some recent questions that were on recent episodes of the Dice Tower for this uh, segment of Fake It Till We Make It where we answer questions from the Dice Tower because we're pretending to be as cool as them. Question one. How does hype affect your thoughts on a game? Does it make you want to get the game or does it cause a negative reaction? Have you ever been fooled by hype? Hype is interesting. It applies to a lot of things, even outside of board gaming. But in terms of board gaming, I typically, I, I don't believe anything anybody has to say about a game if they never have anything bad to say. I like when people don't mind delivering bad news sometimes. And it gives credibility so that if they are hyping a game, now they've got my attention because I, you know, they're not doing it just to do it. They're telling it like it is. Uh, other than that, you know, hype is outside of that issue. Hype is surprisingly accurate. You know, I think if somebody is comparing a game to a game I don't like and raving about it, then it wouldn't work. You know, but other than that, usually if I see if I hear people excited about a game, you know, it's hard not to get excited. Yeah. Uh, see, I kind of, I guess, I have the kind of the opposite. It's I hear the hype, and it's probably a cynical side of me. But you know, it's it's like when you see a movie and they keep playing the trailer and playing and playing and playing. 
you know the movie sucks because they're just trying to get people in by replaying the trailer. So I kind of have the same gives me a negative connotation to begin with. But, you know, I, I really want to hear a more, like you would say, an honest review. If, if there is some negative there, I like the game comparison because then if it yeah. does compare it to a game I like, then, you know, I will definitely be more interested in checking it out. But I don't think the hype is going to make me go check a game out if I'm not interested. Now, when you, where do you guy? What would you say is your source of hype? You for board games? Is it just me, or do you actually like? Is there other? Well, it's not avenues? just you, but like you will point us toward hype. So I'm wondering if, like, for example, I've been talking a lot about time stories. So based on the responses that you just gave. I would think Tim may not be as interested in it as Chris. Well, this is not, yeah, see, now, I'm this is not the it. kind of hype, you know, because I, 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 I'm listening to the Dice Tower. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been getting more active and, you know, going out and looking at things and stuff. So, you know, Gen Con, I kind of pay attention to what's coming out at Gen Con. Yeah. You know, I'm looking for, you know, Armada would be one of those big kind of hype games yeah. for me. And I went and play tested it at Gen Con when they were releasing it. And my brother and I were just, I don't know, we were, we were, not very thrilled. I mean, okay. we were playing X-Wing. We're very active in X-Wing. It's kind of like, okay, we're going to do all the same things and have it more of a strategy kind of game. And we were just underwhelmed. Okay. So I kind of didn't get the hype on that one. And so... Uh, so for me, I think <laughs> I think the answer is obvious. I do get impacted by hype. Oh, yeah. Uh, not as bad as I used to. I, I spend a lot more time actually researching games because I know what types of games I like now. So I can watch a review and get a pretty good idea if, I, if I'm going to like it. Based on, like, if, if it's a deck builder or a co-op game, I'm almost immediately out. It had to be something really outstanding to still get my attention if it was one of those two things. But So I'm, I'm definitely affected. It makes me look into the game more, but not as bad as I used to be. I don't just blindly buy games based off of hype, which I used to do. Mm. Now I, I spend more time researching. Okay, what are your favorite interactive games? Just exclude war games. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I, it's kind of a boring answer for me, but Cyclades. What? It's interactive. You mean Kiklades? Kiklades. <laughs> Kiklades. <laughs> That's how they say it in Chicago. Oh, Kiklades. Man. Yeah, it's 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 very much you know you're you're you know you're on the board with everybody. It's very interactive. I love that game. Okay, Tim. Probably gonna surprise you with this one. No. Illuminati. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Bidding. I mean, it's kind of got yeah. your, your mechanic there. I don't know. It's just, that's one of those fun ones. You start talking smack. You get a big enough group there. You're starting to bid for those tiles, and then, you know, people are just trying to prevent you from getting it. You're trying to stop this person, but this person's okay with having it. Very interactive. I mean, you can really affect someone's game. It's when it gets to that point of Cosmic Encounter where it's like, okay, we're just going to mess with this guy. Oh. Then that's when it kind of gets out of control. But if, if everyone's kind of even keel, uh, uh, real fun game. Okay. So I had two because they're both kind of similar to me. The, the idea of these games is the point of the game is to mess with other people so that you can do better than them. The first is Black Fleet, Chris's favorite oh, game. Yeah. The highly strategic pirate-themed game of Black Fleet where, the, where every turn, the only thing you're doing is jacking with other people for the most part. My other one is Survive Escape from Atlantis where... Even more than Black Fleet, I mean, you're trying to get your guys off of Atlantis, and you're also trying to make sure that no one else can get off of Atlantis in equal portion. <laughs> so I would say either Black Fleet or Survive. Nice. Both amazing games, oh especially gosh. Black Fleet. Man, that game is like, great. Risk is better. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, it's time, you know, since this is the episode about Chris, it's time to bring back 
the gem of a segment known as the board game food truck. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Order up. How bizarre. So for this board game food truck, we're actually going to use a listener question where where it was specifically requested that Chris give his board game food item for a specific games. So the question is, from Bonnie, what kind of food truck grub would represent these games? Codenames, Spyfall, and Mysterium. Now, Chris hasn't played Mysterium, so we're going to be doing Codenames and Spyfall, and then Chris will give us the third game. I'm not sure what that's, that's right. going to be yet. Mystery game. So if it is any Mysterium. So qu- game number one, Chris, Codenames. Codenames. So Codenames coming to the board game food truck. We have to serve up some almond and cashew chicken with noodles. We're going to stir fry bell peppers, onions, mushrooms, celery, bamboo shoots, water chestnuts. Put it all in a garlic soy sauce. That's Codenames. Forgot how weird this segment is. <laughs> oh, it's weird. It'll get even weirder. Okay. Now, all these amazing ingredients represent the 5x5 five five board. Okay. Because you got a lot of cards out there. It's like a, it's kind of a chaotic amalgamization of uh, words that come together because they have to come together. Okay. Uh-huh. They have to. The idea of finding the word and number combination in order to get the group, you know, to, to guess the right card, that's like the noodles. Because the noodles could be curved and, you know, point to the different cards. <laughs> okay. Now, the one twist in this game, here's the twist. I don't know if anybody's aware of this, but almonds can be rancid. They have high <laughs> levels of unsaturated oils, which oxidize, and they become, like, foul after a few months' storage. This is the same thing that can happen in code names. For example, when one team is destroying the other team, and the losing team wins the game by giving a lame clue like orange leading to the card called conductor. <laughs> you kind of pat your mask. You know, it's like, I got to spit this out. I liked it at first, but it's coming out. Huh. Code names, almond and cashew chicken with noodles. And it's, and a million other ingredients. Stir fried with bell peppers, onions, mushrooms, celery, bandages, <laughs> and water chestnuts. All right. <laughs> your mileage will vary. Uh, okay, item number two in the food truck. What are we serving up? This We're is Spyfall. S- serving up some Spyfall. Now, do you want to talk about Spyfall for the, nah, the audience? They so know what it they is. They know what it is? Okay. This one's a little more simple. It's grilled cheese with tomato soup served with a nice tea and lemon. And for dessert, a Nestle Crunch Bar. And I'll explain why. <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> So, as the game starts, you know, things are a little slow and choppy. You know, you're trying to figure out who the spy is. The questioning is going slow. That's like the gooey cheese dripping out of the toast. It's people taking forever thinking of of what to ask, and then the question's lame. Okay. Now, by themselves, grilled cheese sandwiches are pretty plain. You know, it's... It's not the most flavorful thing. It's not the best tasting thing in the world. Same thing with tomato soup. Tomato soup, there's nothing in it. You know, there's no chunks of anything. It's just, it's kind of bland. But it is tomato, it's tomato soups. But when these these things come together, they are pretty good. Okay. So when the group starts narrowing down who the spy is and the, and the, the clock's ticking down, you're getting closer to zero, everything starts heating up. The spy, even from his point of view, him or her, he, they're figuring out the location. So everything is getting going. 
That's like dunking your grilled cheese in the tomato soup and eating it. It's just like everything coming together, you know, and you're like, wow, the, these two things are, are so plain, but together they're, they're great. That represents the game heating up. Now, the iced tea with lemon, that represents the spy doing well because the spy is going to kick back and just kind of watch everybody accuse each other and sit back on his iced tea and, you know, kind of bask in the glow of his own success while the group is bumbling around. And when the spy wins the game by getting everyone else to vote for the wrong person, and then the spy suggests that the group keep going, he gets the Nestle Crunch. Okay. And the reason is because I love doing that. <laughs> and that's my favorite candy bar. <laughs> All right. So uh, Spyfall is the... Uh... Spyfall. All right. Grilled cheese with tomato soup and a Nestle Crunch for dessert. And iced tea with lemon. Iced tea with lemon for the spy. Sweet tea or unsweetened? Unsweetened. You have the lemon in there. It's good enough. Okay. Let's just end it. All right. No sugar. It's for the game number three. What are we doing? Game number three, we're grilling up a little Lords of Waterdeep. Oh, okay. Ah. Kind of keeping with the theme. So I don't know if anybody, I don't know. Have you guys ever had a deep fried turkey? No. Like the whole thing deep fried? No, sounds good. That's Lords of Waterdeep, my friends. Okay. Wow. Lords of Waterdeep is a deep fried turkey with artificial gravy. You know, the good stuff that's horrible for you. You know, like the powder that you mix in. <laughs> corn on the cob, but the corn is cut off of the cob. Oh, okay. Specifically. Smothered in butter. And then for dessert, a piece of chocolate cake, but it's in, ensconced in saran wrap that you can't seem to get open. All right. <laughs> I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> Okay. So, Lords of Waterdeep, you sit down and look at that board. I don't know about you guys, but I get excited waiting for that game to start. You're seeing all that the theming is good. You're, you know, you're, you're starting to figure out where am I going to place my guys. It's all exciting when this game starts out, sort of the opposite of Spyfall, where it's slow to start out. You can start visualizing everything. If you've ever dropped a turkey into a deep fryer, oh my God. It's that it's like that exciting. You're like you just the, the bubbling that's coming out of there. It, the, the whole turkey is is you know it's like sunken into the oil. <laughs> okay. You know you know when you see that that awesome brown color when it's finally pulled out, and it's it's just the smell of the the, the cooking meat. Sorry for any vegetarians out there. Yeah. <laughs> the scent of a succulent delicious bird. Nothing like it. So looking at the board is a little bit like looking at the bird. Okay. You can't eat it because it's freaking hot. <laughs> oh my god! It's hot. It, you can you you can see the golden brown color. You, can, you can't touch that thing when it comes out of the deep fryer. You got to let it rest a little. That's kind of like the board. You have to kind of temper your excitement. Okay. Now completing a quest though is very rewarding. That is symbolic of sitting down with a nice slice of your turkey smothered in that artificial gravy. You complete your quest. You're you know it's a very filling. You know you've you can kind of sit back. You've spent all your pieces you know your card is flipped over and you can relax now that you've finally done it that's you sitting down and finally eating the meal now the corruption tokens which we touched on earlier are a little bit like the dark meat <laughs> if you're like me you like the turkey leg and you go for the dark meat because it tastes better than the white meat but it's bad for you it's higher in cholesterol and it's like you know the white meat's healthier okay same with corruption tokens corruption tokens are going to help you there you want to go for them because that's where the good stuff is but you're going to pay for it later nah. now the buildings <laughs> the buildings are like the corn on the cob they're useful slash delicious but the problem is you don't really get to enjoy them other people are enjoying your buildings that's why the corn is sliced off the cob so that it can be enjoyed by everybody but yourself 
And the butter kind of represents the draw of the property. It's succulent and tempting. So lastly, we get to the intrigue cards. They are the chocolate cake. Delicious, enticing, tempting, sometimes game-changing. The problem is you can have a fistful of those cards and you can't play them. (laughs) That's why the cake is in saran wrap. You can't get it open. Nice. Lords of Water Deep, deep fried turkey. Pretty speechless after that, Chris. Yeah, but the only thing I can think of is, you know, the deep fried turkey is done quick, whereas the Lords of Water Deep game takes a while that's true but the deep fried turkey coming out of the fryer is symbolic to the start that's of the game the start of the game you know you're excited seeing the board you want to get going well chris you never disappoint with the board game <laughs> yeah. food truck thanks bonnie for asking it was fun thanks bonnie and you know let's continue the theme where we are baffled by chris's strangeness yeah <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> deep, fry. Segue. <laughs> deep fry chris sizzling sound is cued and table talk time with all things chris you're listening to Out of Game, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. No, really, they aren't pretending anymore. For other legitimate Dice Tower Network podcasts, go to Dicetowernetwork.com. As with last episode, where Chris and I asked questions of Tim, Tim and I will be asking questions of Chris. Chris has no idea what these questions are going to be. Okay. And even Tim and I don't really know what our questions are. As in, I don't know his and he doesn't know mine. <laughs> so we're going to just take turns here, rapid fire style, and uh, let's pick that odd brain over there. How scared mm. should I be right now? Um, maybe a little. Maybe a little. Not no, much. I'm sure it'll be fine. So we'll start off with a, a tough, easy one. What draws you to board games? That's a deeper question than you realize. Yes. So the draw for me for board games is I've... Crave is gonna sound bad. I crave stimulation. <laughs> you know, it's it's the excitement of winning. That's part of it. The challenge of playing against people competitively that are good, like yourself, and you know, Ryan usually throws in a good challenge here and there. You know, it's fun to compete, and I that's what I like. I also like unleashing creative energy in some of the games, especially the social games. I get to do that. You know, like Spyfall. I get a little crazy with some of that, and sometimes even when we're playing a traditional board game. I'll get into the thematic elements and maybe come up with like some creative nonsense, you know, like, um, you know, my guy's over here recruiting wizards and not getting any. So what's his problem? Something like that, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I, I like entertainment and, you know, that kind of thing entertains me, you know, having kind of getting into the role playing element of some of the games, but then the competition also, but mostly, and we've covered this on another episode, the the fun thing about board gaming, and I think we all kind of mentioned this is, you know, you're hanging out with your friends and it's a weird sort of fun way to spend time with them rather than if you're going to like a, a dinner party where there's really nothing going on and you're just kind of making idle chit chat because in, in when you're gaming, you learn a lot about people. You can kind of see how they handle stress, victory, failure and it's kind of fun i enjoy that you mentioned the dinner party so that kind of falls into one of my other questions so i'm just gonna go right to that question and skip ryan <laughs> so you've got a jam-packed saturday i mean everybody booked this saturday for you for some reason so you got a party with a bunch of friends you got a role-playing session set up with a bunch of friends you got a board game night set up with a bunch of friends you got a video game night for like Madden or something like that set up with a bunch of friends or you got another writer's conference where you can meet some of these writers that you've always wanted to talk to. Which event do you attend? So this is all like double booked on the this same is, this day. Is so quintuple, I have to choose one. Quintuple booked on Saturday. You can only go to one. Which one are you going to? Man. Okay, so 
we're going to throw out the writer's conference because okay. that's more work than fun. Even though it's it's something I'm aspiring to get better, you know, get more success and get noticed. What were the other ones? Role-playing, video, Role and board? Role-playing, video, board game, and then just a party with friends. So just, just a hangout, have some drinks, have some laughs. All right, let's throw that one out. <laughs> so, but Because the other ones are the same group, potentially the same group. Potentially. Just for the purposes of making it an yeah. even thing. Okay, so we'll throw that one out because I'd rather be playing games than just like doing nothing, you know? So it comes down to role-playing, video games, and board gaming. Now, we're going to throw out video games because video games, even though I talk about playing some video games, I'm not really passionate about it. I'm not a, a super fan of video games, and I don't like to play them in co-op mode. So we're going to throw that one out. So now we're down to board games and role-playing. Now, this is where the cheese gets binding, as they say. <laughs> this is tough. So role-playing to me, oh, see, now you got me on the spot here. <laughs> That's probably got the edge, but the difference with role-playing with me is I usually look at that as work. You know, like, you know, we've got an Alvaron session coming up next week, and to me, you know, there's work that goes into it. So I go there not waiting to just play my guy and have fun. I'm going there to, it's a little, a little higher of a stress level, even though the fun factor's there. Uh, then you have board games, which are basically, you know, a lot of things we've been talking about, Lords of Waterdeep, Cosmic Encounter, Alien Frontiers, all those. So... You're guaranteed fun either way, but I'm going to lean toward role-playing. Oh! And the reason is, the reason that's edging out is because of Alvaron. I went through serious withdrawal when we went one week, and then we played again the next week, and then the next week we didn't play. I was really missing it. I was missing it more than I expected to. Mm -hmm. And with board games, I have fun, but I don't miss it if we miss a week. Like, if, if we did two weeks in a row and then missed one... You know, that's I can live with without that. But I was I was withdrawing from it. It was I was really missing it. And RPGs are very serialized. It's like it's like binge watching uh, Walking Dead. It's better to do it continuously rather than to take breaks. Whereas board gaming, you could take a break and then go back to it. So RPG. Nice. Long answer to a, to a short question. Kind of sad. Both of you guys picked role playing. Join <sighs> us. Sad, sad. Join day. us, young one. All right, Chris. If you could eliminate one game mechanism from existence with the sole purpose of never having to play a game with that mechanism again, what would it be? What's one that you despise so much that you want to eliminate it from memory that no one would ever even realize that they could make a game with that mechanic? Man, that's that's a tough one. could probably think of a better, a more accurate answer if I had more time. But off the top of my head, I will say playing cards against people randomly. So like take that. Yeah, like similar to the Lords of Waterdeep example, where some intrigue cards can really be devastating to player A, but not player B, and it's basically random chance, where I would remove those cards from the game. And then just have, you know, if you're going to play a card that allows you to get rid of a corruption token, I'm fine with that. Or even the one where I get three wizards and everybody else gets one. Okay. You know, because then you're still rewarding yourself. It's still kind of fun and interesting and strategic. But without... You know, it's more like globally even. I see what you mean. So that, like, I'm not interfering with people's strategies. I would get rid of the mechanic that interferes with people's strategies in a random way. Random by your definition. Well, random meaning I'm not playing this card because you're in the lead 
and I'm I'm bringing you down. I'm playing this card because it's good for me. Oh, and by the way, it screws you. But that's just by random chance. Okay. I, it's not by a plot. Like, I'm not plotting to bring you down. Okay. Although you could That's be. what I mean by random. Okay. Because that, that does happen in a lot of games. And I think we can only go into denial for so long about that being random. I mean, I'm playing it. <laughs> it's it's screwing. Now your strategy is hosed. Gotcha. So, you know, same thing. You got your group of friends. You're stuck on an island. The plane has crashed. You've all survived. You're stuck on an island. What three games do you have with you? You're stuck three. there for like 10 years. Whoa. <laughs> You're only going to be able to play these three games for the next 10 years. What, what is it you have in your backpack? Oh, man. So, this, and Ryan's not going to like this answer, but the first one has got to be an RPG <laughs> system. <laughs> I mean, that is the one that's going to, A, withstand the test of time. You're not going to get tired of it because it's got so much variability. You don't even need that. That's not, that's not even a physical thing. Well, you, you need the you dice. Reference and, book, the dice. You okay, know. so the components. For, well, we need yeah. a, a laptop with Tim's app on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I would say RPG. It's just it's versatile and long lasting. You could spend hours playing that. I promise this is a board game podcast. Which board games would I want? Uh, I gotta go with Cyclades. It's the perfect <laughs> oh, wow. game. So that would be number two. You need a game that a lot of people can play. By the way, how many people are stranded with me? Is it four exactly? No, no. I can I mean, change the games that no, I play. I mean, no, just, I mean, it's a, it's a group, uh, you know. So like 15-ish. Could be 15. Okay. Some people are off getting water sometimes, so it's four. Some people are building forts. So. And then it's one less when Dave gets hit with a coconut, <laughs> which would be inevitable, by the way. You know, you might, you might be okay, though, with the games taking a lot longer because you do have a lot of time to kill that's true, true but i would have a problem with that that would be interesting if chris was on a deserted island with nothing to do would he still have a problem with long well, game well turns? how many adderall pills do i have well you're gonna run out oh you're gonna run out big time yeah that's a problem when that happens it's gonna be like lord of the flies <laughs> <laughs> somebody would take me out pretty quickly let's go with uh dead of winter okay okay I wanted at least one identity game in there. If you were forced to play a Robo Rally with anybody <laughs> who ever existed, fictional or real, who would it be and why? Oh wow, fictional or real? Robo Rally specifically. And How I many people can Robo Rally play? It's a lot. I think it's up to eight. I mean, I've played with eight, like eight people before, yeah. so it's so it doesn't. You have to. You don't have to list all eight. Do these people are they tortured playing it? Do they feel like they hate it? Is that like, am I picking them because I want to punish them by playing this game? You could pick, th that's the thing. You have to explain why you're picking them. Well, I don't want them to enjoy it. Okay, so then it's probably going to be people you don't like. So I've been watching a lot of Walking Dead lately. Me too. So here's what I want in the game I want Daryl. Okay. I want Rick. Okay. And Maggie. Okay. And I want two zombies. Okay. Like real zombies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, they can't like, like try to attack us. They have to play the game. They, all right. they, they have to like make all their moves too. So their arms and their teeth are removed. No, they need their arms to like make their moves. Well, you can like they can tell you what they want to do. <laughs> all right, fine. There's two zombies <laughs> that are attacking. The zombies have okay. to make their moves. Okay, that's that's my answer. Well, you have to explain why. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> obviously. It's The Walking Dead. It's like the cast of The Walking Dead. It's fun just to hang out with these. So guys. you, so you're not doing it because you hate those characters. No, no, I, you know, I don't, I don't hate them. I think that Robo Rally is a game that you go into it knowing that you have no idea if you're going to win. 
So you're just basically socializing the whole time. So why are the zombies there? Uh, So we can win. You can say somebody to beat. Well, first of all, I want to see how Rick and Daryl handle playing a game with zombies without killing them. (laughs) Secondly, I want to see how the zombies act when they're forced to play this game before they can come and try to eat us. So I find it interesting to see zombies who basically are have no mind, right? I'd be interested to see if they win this game. It'll prove a lot of things. <laughs> I mean, they have a, what, a two out of five chance, a 40% chance, assuming that it's random. So that's that's a pretty decent chance one of them is going to win. And I'd like to maybe videotape that and go public with it and then- expose the game <laughs> for what it is. Do you enjoy smack talk while we're playing games? No, I'm not a big smack talk guy. I'll goof off, but by smack talk, you mean like taunting and... Friendly taunting, yeah, or whatever. No, not really. You know who's big into that? No, like Nathan so is. Nathan likes to smack talk. Chris J, lot. too. He'll, he'll smack you talk. You do a lot a of smack bit. talk in, like, um, in the deduction games when you think you have the spy for your That's out. true. Mystery. You start smack talking a lot. Good point. I do that. Because <laughs> you want to ferret them out. That's not the reason. No, it's I wish wanted... that was the reason, but that that's that's more of a noble reason. Oh, I thought the, the reason, reason was you wanted them to keep playing for your team to try to prove themselves. What's the real reason? Now, now? the real reason is it's idle minding. Oh. I'm <laughs> trying to entertain myself, and that's really where I got into trouble. Where I had to make the New Year's resolution last year, and that's because sometimes you, you know the stimulation isn't there, and I've got to make it happen, and then so I'll say outrageous things. Okay, and that's not something that I can easily control with games though games give you the element to do that so like for example if i believe you're the spy i'll you know i know you're the spy you know why don't you just come out you know there are some games where it's okay to reveal like Battlestar galactic it's okay i'll tell dave you know why don't you just come out <laughs> just do it let's get this over with and sometimes that works on him but the real reason i do that is just to entertain myself i like to just get into the theme too i'm not insulting anybody personally when i'm doing it it's, i'm just having fun Okay. Favorite mythological creature? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to go with the siren. Ooh. Okay, why? Because I think the siren exposes suckers for who they really are. <laughs> Man. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to inject a little Darwinism and, you know, a little chlorine in the gene pool. What is the single most annoying characteristic of anybody you've ever gamed with? Oh, that's easy. All right, let's hear it. The single most annoying characteristic of anybody I've ever gamed with, without naming names, is going slow. <laughs> okay. By far. I mean, I don't. E- I couldn't even tell you what number two is. Okay. That is by far. When you're bumbling on your turn and you're just like not getting it, and then when you do get it, you're just you want the, to have the perfect turn, so you're just going to take your time. That is no place in gaming with me. I just I, I can't deal with it. It's just too hard. Even on the meds, it's hard. So, um, you know, you, you write, you board game, you role play. What other kind of a geek activity do you entertain? <laughs> oh, I am also a weather geek. Oh, yeah. You know, I got the uh, Storm Chaser thing. I go get certified every year. Certified. Know. Certified weather chaser. I know. The certification, that is a stamp on my nerd card. Because if you go to that, so every year in the spring. What, what do they do? Can you see that, cloud? Check. No, it's it's actually hundreds of people come. They they fill up this auditorium. Tammy Souza MCs it, and they bring in the who's who of weather to do presentations on the year's weather events. And then most of the crowd is first responders, so they're like, um, you know, EMTs, cops, people like that. 
they're they're required to go like for their job the rest are like weather enthusiasts so you see like a lot of those crazy cars with the instruments and the weather vanes on top and all that anemometers and you know i go with my son every year and we go because they they reiterate what you need to do in order to spot severe weather and like some of the latest things they've learned especially with tech tech has come a long way with weather especially with notifications like on your phones like you guys have software on your phones you don't even know is there and it's like mandatory where they can tell where you are because of your cell location and can issue weather bulletins to your phone not based on the polygons like you see on the on the weather forecast but based on real triangulation so technology's come a long way it's another way i'm nerdy too is the tech stuff but yeah the weather that's kind of a it's a little hobby horse i have and um it's not as simple as you say either because you get a lot of people that call 911 they think they're spotting a tornado they don't know what they're talking about and we're told that when we call 911 to report weather we say that i'm a certified weather spotter and then what that happens is they listen to you then and they will issue warnings based on if they can have there's like two out of three criteria if that's one if there's one more of the other two they will literally issue the warning uh-huh. so nice yeah there's a lot to that so nerdiness uh stamp stamps a plenty there all right if you could live inside of a board game as if it were reality what game would you choose oh, that that is a good one <laughs> it's weird sticking with the water deep theme yeah. that would be kind of a fun world to hang out in you know it's got the medieval fantasy thing going i get the impression that even though like in the earth terms those were hard days like you wouldn't want to be there <laughs> in in that realm like with all the magic and everything i think that would be pretty fun you know, some of the other board games that we've played that are interesting, I mean, like Seven Wonders would be cool. I mean, yeah. think about that. If you look at some of those cards, and Tim had pointed out how good the art is, it's also a lot of Egyptian themes are in that, too. Yeah. That would be one. Uh, a lot of the space ones don't appeal to me. For whatever reason, I don't want to live, like, far in the future. I don't know why that is. I definitely <laughs> wouldn't want to board a pirate ship. That's not for me. I mean, even though the I love the movies and I love games that are pirate theme. In fact, pirate theme was my choice of, like, what game I would create. That's not a place I'd want to live. First of all, I don't like being on a boat for that long. <laughs> and they're going to be leaking, and I'm not going to want to do any work on the boat. Just <laughs> swabbing the deck and, like, manning the bilge pump. <laughs> if you had to go a whole week and wear only one pair of socks oh. all week long oh. or go barefoot in a pair of boat shoes all week long, which which would you choose? Oh, wow. <laughs> Do I have to wear the socks all week? You have to wear the socks all yeah. week. You, you cannot take them off. explain to the listeners why you're asking? Yeah. <laughs> so Chris has this thing. Every time we get to Gen Con or he comes over, even for Wednesday gaming nights, he must change out of his work socks that he's been wearing for the day and he put on a new fresh pair of socks. And at Gen Con, he brings socks around in his backpack and he changes them throughout the day. Which I, was which is odd because that seems like more of an OCD thing I than an ADHD. I love the way fresh socks feel. <laughs> I will admit that. And I admit that it's goofy. But I will change my socks twice a day. Wow. If I'm walking around Gen Con, so I will bring extra. So three total of socks per day. Well, it depends. I mean, uh, definitely two. Okay. Minimum two. <laughs> If I'm walking around the house and my sock gets wet, like, like if I like, spilled water, I've got to change them. I mean, that's a, a show <laughs> Do you change stopper. both socks or just one of them? Just one. Oh. Oh, it's a surprise. I, I thought you'd go with both. Yeah. It depends on how stale the other one is. 
you know, <laughs> if it's, it's a good if word it's, for it. If it's been hanging around but for a while, what do you I'll do? Because you split up that mated pair, and now you've only put the one on that. I don't care about yeah. that. Wow, really? That doesn't. That's like an OCD thing. Yeah, okay. I mismatch. You know, they're they're white. Yes. You know, I'm wearing white socks, so they all look the same. When we game and we we bring a change of clothes, and we have people that don't do that, it bothers me. It, it really? It's, it, yeah. Specifically, Dave and Dave will—he'll be in my face about the fact that he's wearing the same clothes he wore all day because he knows it bothers me. I—I just—I don't get it. I mean, if you just want—if you just just listeners can try this too if they want. Just try it once in the middle of the day, like on a Saturday, three o'clock or whatever. Put on a fresh pair of socks for no reason. You'll be glad you did. It just feel it's like just refreshing. Do you feel, do you let your feet like dry a little bit first? Air my feet out? are fine. That's the weird thing. It has nothing to do with my feet. It's, I just like the way it feels. Like it's fresh and clean. I don't know. <laughs> so one pair of scummy socks for the week, or no socks in. So my choices shoes. are: I have to wear, I have to continuously wear yes. like all week, all or week. go barefoot with shoes, which I also hate. Yeah. Boat shoes. Oh man, yeah, I've got to, I've got to go with the boat shoes. I can't wear wow. the same pair of socks all week. That's but a boat shoe is like a like a thick leather sock. Well, I'm assuming you can take it off like for sleeping and stuff. The shoes right? you can take off for sleeping. Yeah, but you're so, like sticking so you're your same recruit. sweaty feet in the same shoes. Yeah, but I'll wash. Yeah, you know that's the other thing is the shoes get crazy <laughs> after a while. I, I'm not a fan of people when they wear bare feet with socks because they don't realize what they're doing to their shoe. With shoes, you mean? I'm sorry, with shoes. Yeah, uh, bare feet with shoes. That's what Dave is doing, and we had a problem in our room. I mean, it was it was a problem. We were all smelling, <laughs> and you know he was kind of blind to it. And that's the problem with not wearing socks with your shoes is you're not washing your shoes, so sure. something's going down. It's true. Okay, <laughs> moving on. What is the most memorable RPG experience you've ever had? Oh wow! You know, I might pick one when I was a player. Okay, believe it or not. Let's hear it. There, there was one moment where I didn't want my character to fight in the middle of a battle, and so. He had a quirk where he smoked a pipe, and so he would take this pipe out and smoke it randomly in the middle of a fight. He put his back against the wall and just started stuffing tobacco in it. <laughs> Meanwhile, the rest of the group is engaged in this battle. I don't know why I did it. I mean, it wasn't that I was trying to be cowardly. I was just trying to have some fun. So I think moments like that were good. So here's my answer. The Tanagra Tsunami. <laughs> so you know what that is. I'll explain like the quick version for everybody. This was... The very end of a campaign that lasted three years. And this w- was an every week campaign. So these characters were at the height of their power. And it had gone on. It was, it's a, it was a mega campaign. I mean, it was epic and all that. We had all the players there. And the very last session, we were going to switch from D&D to GURPS. And we were having kind of our swan song uh, a session. And the mission that they wanted to kill this guy, Jadu, who they've been hunting this whole time. I hate Jadu. And they finally... <laughs> They they made a deal with this guy who was demonic, but he was kind of a civilized demon. You know, he was he was making deals. You know, even though he was dark, he was you know working out deals. And he made a deal with one of the when player characters. I will guarantee kill Jadu if you give me your amulet. And this amulet had the power to control earth type things like moving earth, earthquakes, things like that. Hours of out of game deliberation went by. They finally made the deal. They signed the contract. Tanagra took the amulet. He created this massive earthquake under the ocean, which was not that far off. Using the amulet. Using the amulet, it created the tsunami, which was ridiculous in proportion because it was using the power of this amulet. He was going to wash out Jadu. Now, the reason Jadu was so hard to kill was because magic didn't work. On the, he was lived in this bubble where magic didn't work. So you had to use swords. 
the trick was that his magic worked in the bubble. Yeah, and he was like a level thirty mage. He was really even powerful. higher. Yeah. yeah, and so Tanagra was just going to drown him with this with this wave. <laughs> And it was going to be impossible because this wave encompassed the whole realm. He didn't tell everybody that he was going to try to kill everybody. So that, that was the that was the asterisk, and everybody was spending. That was what the hours of deliberation. What's the? What are we missing? Why is he doing this? So the way this worked out was the same character who made the deal. He was the leader of the group. He saved Jadu before the tsunami hit. He warned him. I don't remember what he said, but he warned him to leave. There was like irony upon irony upon irony in this session. And it was the culmination of years of gaming, of years of chasing this NPC, finally being able to take him out. And then your own leader saved him right before the end. And then the realm was wiped out by the tsunami. Classic moment. (laughs) Crazy. That's the one I'm going with. All right. And then my last question which of these games do you hate the most? Robo Rally, Five Tribes, Coup, or Caverna? Oh my god. Whoa. <laughs> so if I go based on how much pain I was in during these games, Robo Rally would be the worst. Okay. If I'm looking at playing the game again, yeah. which one of those would I least want to play again? I would probably say Robo Rally again. <laughs> okay. So so Robo Rally's the worst. I mean that's there's no thought behind that game in my okay. in my opinion. So Coup is the next worst. Yeah, I hated Coup. I, I felt like I had no control over what was going on. Even when I understood the game, okay. there was like a lot of chance happening there. So Five Tribes and Caverna. Five, these are both games I would play again. I think Five Tribes, I hate. Caverna, I just I hate how long it is. And based on one experience, I've got to give it another chance. Okay. So I'd say Caverna is the best game of all those. Okay. And I would play that game the most. Five Tribes is a game that I want to like. It's like one of those games I just I want to like it. I just don't. Okay. <laughs> it's just it's not meant for the way my brain works. All right, you've answered all mine. Tim, do you want right, to close one it up? One last philosophical question. Okay. Red pill or blue pill? Ah, so the red pill is the one that led to knowing what's real, right? Correct. And then the blue, you get to stay in La La Land. So I'm wanting to wake up. So you're, you're going red pill. Yeah, I'm going red pill, yeah. All right. And uh, just in case we are in the Matrix right now, <laughs> I would like to take the red pill and be listening. <laughs> I mean, you never know, right? <laughs> I mean, we could be controlled by vampires who've taken over the world. How freaked out would you be right now if someone knocked on that door? Oh. It's like midnight, and we're in this abandoned building right now. An agent walks in. Yeah. <laughs> we saw someone out, like, on the balcony. All right. Well, everyone's going to hold their family a little closer tonight. After that, that wasn't that bad. I was <laughs> expecting. Bad. I was expecting. You know, why do you ask the questions the way you do when we play Spyfall? I'm pretty happy with yeah. the questions. Yeah. You know, yeah. I got a pretty good uh, okay. understanding of how you think, and I hope our listeners did too. And I think you know this wraps up another episode of Out of Game. Once again, you can find us at outofgamepodcast.com or by going to BGG Guild 1990. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Stitcher at OG Podcast. <laughs> And you can email us at outagamepodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 40-O-O-G-O-O-G-80. For other great podcasts of the Dice Tower Network, go to dicetowernetwork.com. That is all. Good night, everyone. Good night. Peace out. <laughs>